0: been desperate? I mean desperate. Things are in dire straits. Things are in dire need. Have you ever been desperate? Like things can't stay the way they are. Something's got to change. Maybe you're here this morning and you come in through the door and things are in a desperate place. Desperate times call for Desperate measures. I came across a situation like that just recently. Uh, my wife and I walked in. Some of you may know who I'm talking about, and then uh, some of you are new enough in the church. Karen Roy. Karen Roy uh, has attended this church, I'm not sure how many years, but most of its existence, I believe. But for the last few months, she's not been able to attend. She's had such back pain and so many problems they did back surgery uh, for her uh, just under I believe three weeks ago when I was there to see her she said for two weeks I was in a narcotic fall and uh, those were able to go and visit her um, could attest to that and uh, and so she had been struggling but uh, when my wife and I walked into the room there Karen Is in a brace that's got her kind of propped up, and she's sitting in a chair. She can hardly get out of that chair. They've made her walk, and when they do, she hurts so bad. And they're fixing to send her home. The insurance company, and you're probably familiar with that, kind of kicking her out of rehab. But she's been there for two or three weeks, and she's headed for home. And she began to kind of tell us what had happened. I believe she had had four of her vertebrae in her lower back fused I've not had back surgery, but that doesn't sound fun. And from talking to her, it had been a long time coming and a lot of problems with it. She said that they found and removed on her tailbone a bone spur that had been lacerating her spine. That sounds really painful. And she had been dealing with that, that's why she's been unable to attend church here. When she told us this, she was crying. And I thought in the beginning that she was crying because of all that she was going through. And if you know Karen Roy and know her story, she's been through a lot. I mean, a lot. And then I realized Karen Roy was in a desperate situation. Had that bone spur continued, it was going to sever her spine, and she would lose the use of her legs. It has left permanent damage, and she will always have to walk with at least a cane and maybe a walker for the rest of her life. Karen Roy sat there in tears praising God for saving her ability to get around. Could you do that? Because I'm not sure I could. And to be there and to see her sincerely crying, saying, I'm not worthy. God has taken such good care of me. Sure puts you and I to shame. Desperate times bring desperate measures. But when you're in the will of God, when God is in control of your life and you allow him to work, some of those sufferings, will be a little easier than others. I, I, Karen Roy's my hero. I'll just tell you that. I, I haven't got to spend a lot of time with her, but I want to spend a little more time with her. I'm telling you what, that was amazing. She was sitting there just propped up, and, you know, they're fixing to send her home, and she doesn't know how she's going to get around, and she's praising God. What kind of desperate situations do you have in your life today? What desperate things are you dealing with? Do we understand and can we grasp that our desperate situations are for the glory of God? Hmm. Think on that in a little bit. Probably ought to chew that one a while. Can we grasp that it's all for the glory of Jesus? All. Not some. Not the good parts. Not the kind of bad parts. All for his glory. I want to take a look this morning, probably go a little bit different direction than that. But Jesus when he shows up on the scene, desperate situations usually take a turn. And I want to take a look at Jesus with a leper and how he handled that leper and what went on with him. If you would turn to Mark, the first chapter, So if you go to Matthew, it's the next book over, and it's the first chapter. It would be real easy to find. If you would stand with me, turn to the 40th verse. We're going to end up looking at six verses, but I'm just going to read one right now. I think this one's important. We'll take a look at it um, and then work through the rest of them. Mark 1, verse 40. And the leper came to him, imploring him. That doesn't mean... Hey, Lord, he's imploring. He's serious. Things are desperate. He's a leper. He's come to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. I want to read that again. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Desperate times take desperate measures. And I want to look at this one if you would, bow your head and let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to be in your house this morning. God, we praise you and we thank you that your Holy Spirit has been here. God, we pray that the Holy Spirit would quicken me, that would speak through me. God, when we leave here, no one would remember my name, but they would remember they've been in the presence of God this morning. And then he spoke to them and he's working in their lives and he cares that he died for them. If someone is here, and they've never been saved, we pray that they'd not leave that way this morning. That God, they would accept Jesus Christ as their Savior, for you died for them. For all of this, we'll give you the honor, the glory, and the praise. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Leprosy. Leprosy has not been eradicated. There's actually about 200,000 cases of leprosy diagnosed each year. Now, fortunate for you and I, 60% of them are not here. 60% of them are in India and mostly out in the poor parts of their country. In fact, you don't hear about leper colonies anymore, but they still have them there. Uh, There is a vaccine that's been around since the 1960s um, to be able to cure and virtually eradicate it if we were able to get people this vaccine. I believe, if I understand right, it's even supplied for free. And yet it's hard to get to some of those places. But in the Bible times, in Jesus' time, leprosy was a horrible thing. It would start with just maybe a spot or a sore on someone's body somewhere. It would progress. There would be skin discoloration. Uh, You would see uh, uh, hands, feet begin to disform, to take on a different look. Um, A person would begin to lose feeling in their fingers, their toes, their arms, and legs as it progressed. It would lead to injury. Why? Because they had no feeling. Imagine trying to walk through that door with no feeling. How easy it would be to smash your finger or a toe or hang a toe somewhere. And so injuries being cut, smashed, bones broken, things would begin to happen to them um, as they lost feeling. And so it was dangerous uh, for someone uh, that, that had leprosy. Stories of leper colonies. Maybe some of this still goes on. I would think probably not a lot of it. But in Jesus' time here, in the biblical times, because they were ostracized from society, they would sleep most generally in areas and be very poor in their colonies. They weren't rich, obviously. They'd lost everything. And so what would happen is as they lost feeling and they're living in squalor, there were rats around. And because they had no feeling, they would have rats or other animals or vermin come in and they would chew on their fingers or their toes and literally eat them off while they slept, and they would never know because they couldn't feel. They'd lost feeling in it. Disgusting but unbelievable what the life of a leper was once they were diagnosed. Often then their noses would begin to wither and would just disfigure and kind of cave into their face, and they would have a permanent disfiguration. The disease would sometimes move quickly, but often would move at a slow pace, taking years as it just worked on this person, moving on and on, taking years to progress. To be diagnosed and to contact leprosy was essentially a death sentence. It didn't matter your age, your wealth, or your status. If you were five years old and you contacted leprosy, you would be banished to a colony with people you didn't know ripped away from your family, if your family didn't send you away, your whole family would be ostracized and the community would have nothing to do with them. It was so scary to have leprosy around. If you were wealthy, you were sent to a colony and essentially lost your wealth. You didn't take it with you. What would you do with it? So all of your wealth, which would often be in lands and and houses and things, wasn't any to go with you. You would lose it. If you had status, let's say you were the president of a company. You're now out of work. You don't have a job. You're the CEO. Doesn't matter. You're gone. Maybe you're the police chief. Doesn't matter. You're gone. The mayor. Doesn't matter. The governor. The president. Doesn't matter. You're gone. You've lost your status. You're just a leper now. That's all you are has-been, used to be. If you tried to escape, they would hunt you like a criminal. There was a leper colony, one of the last that would be attached to the United States. It still exists, although it's been opened up and people can leave. They don't need to be there. I think there may be just a few that have stayed. It's in Oh, I was laughing because of how I say this word. Hawaii, is that wrong? I don't know. They wash things over there too, by the way. <laughs> I'm from Missouri, okay? So, a little bit of Arkansas in me. But uh, so that colony is surrounded by 1,600-foot cliffs. It's a little living area and a beach, beautiful area. You'd think it's paradise unless you're banished there and you can't leave. And that place is there. It was a colony. They would post guards on the cliffs. They wouldn't even dock the boats. They would come into the harbor and throw the people into the water. If they were strong enough to swim, they survived. If they were not, they would drown on the way to the the shore. That's how they treated lepers in years past. It's been several years now since they did that, and yet that colony only really closed down about 50 years ago, not that long ago. Being a leper, becoming a leper, became the most important thing in your life. It became your identity. It was who you were. If you become a leper, you weren't anybody else but a leper, and you went away as a leper, essentially disappeared. If someone came near you, you were required to cry out, unclean, unclean, unclean. And we can see right here, this man forgoes that. He went straight to Jesus to implore him to heal him. He had heard the story. Somehow it had made it into the leper colony. Hey, Jesus, maybe somebody had contacted leprosy and went in and said, this guy, Jesus, man, he's healing people. He's doing all kinds of things. They found out he's coming, and the man goes running to Jesus. He didn't touch him, but he kneeled down in front of him. If you had leprosy, you knew what was coming. You might be able to hide it for a little while. But eventually, it was going to be known. It was going to come out. And you can see where we're headed with this because leprosy is a type of sin. And what leprosy does to a life, so does sin. So does sin. I want to look at that. In life, we see people, the sin is destroying them. All around us, we see a world being destroyed by sin we all agree that we live in one crazy world? There's a reason why. Sin. And I tell you that we can fight the good fight. It's not going to get better. Okay? Read the back of the book. It's going to get crazier. Sin is like leprosy. First, it'll show up in an individual as little spots, often as rebellion. Or as a young kid, we begin to hang out with people And things that are fun become not so fun as time progresses. They become serious. They take on a whole new meaning. Sin progresses. It turns our lives to numbness. You become numb to right and wrong. You become numb to what anyone else cares about because we're after what we want. And we begin to chase after sin, we become numb to the world around us. Sin will begin to disfigure a once promising life, forever scarring a person. We watch it happen over and over and over again. Parts of our life will begin to fall off. We we'll begin to lose things, people, relationships, abilities, things that we were going to do. Now we're no ab- not able to. Sin will tear our lives down. We look back, and we realize, wow, who have I become? Why? Sin. It will absolutely destroy life. It is leprosy to our lives and our potential. So often, it's easy to pick on this, drugs and alcohol. It starts out as the young kid. I was there, and so were you. Our buddies get a drink. We share a drink. Maybe it's a pill. Maybe it's take a drag. Maybe it's a, a, a pipe. Maybe it's something. It's just fun this one time. But guess what? Sin needs more, and it needs more, and it becomes bigger, and it begins to grow in our lives, whatever that is. Like I said, drugs and alcohol are easy to pick on, but let's just kind of get real, okay, and get a little bit uncomfortable. I think that's where God wants us to be, is honest with ourselves, sexual perversion. And it starts out with a click, and one time, and two times, and then more, and we need more, and just like drugs and alcohol, the same stuff, and the perversion that can become a sexual addiction will destroy your life and the lives around you. It's a leprosy. Starts out as a little spot and it grows. And those things are not comfortable, but I think we're silly if we're not honest with ourselves. We might as well tell the truth what it is. And I think we need to examine ourselves. And inside this room, I will guarantee you somebody is dealing with these issues. Don't look around, look inside. Check you, check me. Maybe it's abuse. This one hit a nerve earlier. Maybe it's abuse. Maybe you have been abused. And so often that happens and it's horrible. But so often what follows, the abuser, the abused becomes the abuser. So often it becomes that turn. And it's a leprosy and it'll destroy generation after generation, after generation. You see, hurt people hurt people. Hurt people hurt people. So often, and we need to look at it. It's a leprosy. It might start out small. Maybe as a child you were abused. I hear of people all the time that shut those stories out, and they don't know why they act like they do. And sometimes it takes therapy, Christian therapy, and God working in their lives to overcome that stuff and to break that cycle in their family. And I know. I'm talking to some people that are dealing with that stuff. It just happens. It's not okay, but it happens. Sin Maybe it's hatred or anger. You ever been around someone that has such an anger issue that you can't hardly be around them? You want to like that person? Maybe it's a family member. And yet they're eat up with hate and anger to the point you can't deal with them. I understand this a little bit. I didn't grow up in a home like that. I didn't deal with most of the things that I've been talking about here. But... It wasn't so long ago when someone had mistreated me just a few years ago, and it affected my family. And you can pick on me, but when you hurt my family by picking on me, now we got a problem. And I tell people all the time, I'm the nicest guy you know till I ain't, and then I ain't. And I wasn't. I, I was struggling man, I had been done wrong, and it hurt, and I was frustrated. And I didn't realize. I know it was Christmas time. There's no other reason I would go into a cooking store but to buy Christmas presents for my wife. I know that's when it was. And I was in the mall. You might remember the cooking store on the lower level. And I had gone in there, and I was just dealing with this stuff, man. And I didn't even realize the anger that had grown up inside me. Looking back, man, it had been months coming on. But here I am standing at the counter, and this young girl, she's a teenager. She's just doing her job. But Whatever it was that she said to me and however it worked out, man, it made me mad. I mean, mad like that. Mad like ain't normal, you get mad. And the look that went over my face, I can only remember the feeling of the anger, but apparently the angry look that went over my face, that poor young lady staggered backwards with a teared look on her face and bounced off of the back wall, scared of the look that came over my face. I paid my bill, and I walked out of there brokenhearted. I realized, God, that's not me. <laughs> that's not me. Help me. woo a little spot just showed up. Maybe it's festering. God help me. That is not me. I've never been that person. And what I realized in that moment was that in anger that was not normal to a Christian life, I could do things I never dreamed I'd be able to do. Scared me to death. It scared me more than it did her. I wish I could find that young lady. And apologize to her. It wasn't fair to her. She didn't do anything wrong. But I can tell you that God went to work on me. Leprosy starts out as a spot. We can either deal with it, we can let what if I'd have let that fester? I'd probably be in prison today, I'll just be honest with you. I was an angry man for a minute. Thank God. Thank God he didn't give up on me. Thank God when I kneeled down in front of him and said, Lord, you can make me clean. I can't do it on my own. Greed. Greed. Have you ever watched a greedy person? There's a local man we're dealing with right now. Has stolen over $100 million. He's on the run. Stole it from his best friends. That don't even make sense, does it? And he ain't enjoying it. He's on the run. Greed. It's easy to pick on big things. Bernie Madoff. Everybody knows who that was. Stole all kinds of people's money. Greed. Just greedy. You watch greed. you on a smaller scale. You let a death in a family happen. Uh-huh. i seen some people show up, as soon as there was a death in the family, show up with a trailer and start loading antiques and run off with it. What? They're worth money, but... They're not worth your soul. They're not worth all the trouble and the angst and the anger that's caused in a family. Greed. I want more than my share. I want more than mine. Boy, you just get a family together, let a, let a death in the family happen, and siblings get to going at it. And it gets ugly, and it lasts a lifetime. Whole families separated over greed. Mine, mine, mine. Fight for my peace. Peace. It ain't worth it. In the end, it's a small piece. We see it happen in the Bible. If you'll remember when the Israelites crossed the Jordan River and God began to bless them as they were taking Canaan. They were rolling through Canaan. God's given victories. And old Achan, he decided he wanted a few bars of gold and some fine clothes. You know what's crazy about that? He couldn't spend it, nor could he wear it because everybody would know what he had done. But he wanted it. He was greedy. He wanted his piece of it. And God allowed at the next little tiny town, Israel, to be defeated, and he exposed Achan. And it cost Achan more than he had to give. It cost him his life and the life of every one of his family members. God required that. Leprosy of greed, the leprosy of sin, selfishness. Selfishness can be seen in each of these, the list I've talked about. Man, there's more. We could go on and on. But families are destroyed because of selfish decisions. Most often at the root of this selfishness is a little word called pride, the original sin. Pride. Me and mine. It's all about me. Man, when we realize how that little thing and that root will eat us alive, it'll spot us all over our lives. It'll destroy us. We'll begin to lose pieces of us just with those things. But if we'll bring it to Jesus, fall down and cry out, Father, you, Jesus, you can make me clean. Because I'll guarantee you, you're not capable of cleaning yourself up. You can't do it. Sin starts small. Sin numbs our sensitivities. And sin will destroy your life. Sin, that little bitty word, covers so much. Sin. You know, the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. I drove past a a field just not very long ago. Um, I believe it was in Arkansas. I was on vacation down there. There was a, a field, and you could see horses in there, and they had pretty green grass in there, and around the outside of the fence was brown grass. But that brown grass for about three feet outside of that fence was eaten down to the ground. Grass is greener on the other side. Why would you lean over a barbed bar wire fence that's cutting into your neck to get to that brown grass when you're standing in green grass. I'm telling you right now, that's a perfect example of life. The devil will make the grass look greener on the other side. He just don't tell you there's a septic tank under that green grass on the other side. It ain't what you think it is. And it won't get you where you think it will. Sin will take you further than you intended to go. It will keep you longer than you intended to stay. And it will cost you more than you can afford to pay. It'll cost you everything. Sin. It can be hidden for a while. You can even show up at church and hide it for a while. Pull her sleeves down, pull everything down over it. Nobody will see it. But eventually, it will come out. And this, this is where we find our leper. He's forgot all about the unclean, the unclean, the unclean. He just wanted to get to Jesus. And he ran to him, fell on his knees, and said, if you will, you can make me clean. And at this point, he's done all he can do. And it's up to Jesus. What will Jesus do? We look at verses 41 through 44. It says, Jesus was moved with pity. He stretched out his hand and he touched him. He touched a leper, but not for long. He touched a leper. said so he touched him and he said, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. He was made clean. And then Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once. Here's what Jesus said to him. See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. And I'm here to tell you right now, y'all ought to go read Leviticus, I believe it's 14. Because what Jesus just told him to do is a long, drawn-out process. It's like sitting outside the temple for eight days, sitting outside his tent for eight days. They got to kill animals. They put blood on the earlobe the finger, the thumb, and the toe. And I was like, I'm trying to read all that, and I just get, like, discombobulated. What in the world? I can't. (laughs) Well, it wouldn't be worth staying. It would be worth doing it to not be a leper anymore. But, man, there was a lot involved there. So when Jesus told him to go and don't tell anybody, it was virtually impossible. He's going to sit in front of the temple and set, everybody's going to know what's going on. But Jesus told him, "Don't tell anybody. Jesus was moved with pity. Just like he was with Lazarus, He loved Lazarus. By the way, he knew this man as well as he knew Lazarus. He just hadn't spent as much time with him. You see, Jesus created this man. He was there when he was created. Jesus knew what was going on with him. Jesus not only saw who he was, a leper begging for help, Jesus saw who he could be. And that's how he sees you and I. He doesn't see what we were. He doesn't see what we are. He sees what we can be. And when we cry out to him and come to him, Jesus, if you will, You can make me clean. When we humble ourselves and cry out to Him in honesty, He says, I will be clean. And that's what had happened to this man. Oh, he had scars, but he was no longer a leper. He had a new identity. He was a former leper. He might used to be a leper, but he ain't one no more. He's a new person, he had a new identity. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, we're a former sinner. We're a used to be one of those. He cleanses us, He cleans up that leprosy. Now, there was still work to do. He was clean, He was purified, but like I said, He had all these things to go through to re enter society. And it wasn't just going to snap a finger and He had His old life back. And I think so often as new Christians and sometimes as old Christians, as we deal with life and things, we want things to happen so fast. Okay, now I've got, I've got to get to my ministry. I've got to do this. God, let's get going. Let's do this thing and do that. And maybe God just wants you to sit down and let him work it out. Man, that's hard to do. That is really hard to do. But that time, I tell people often because I have to tell myself this, when you're going through struggles and life's not fair and things aren't right as a Christian, Don't waste the opportunity to draw near to God because he's promised. If we draw nigh to him, he'll draw nigh to us. When he's healed us of that leprosy, we can draw nigh to him. We can spend time with him, and he wants to teach us. Hey, even Paul, the most, you couldn't be more educated than Paul was in Israel. He had all the education in the world, and yet when when Jesus knocked him off his horse, blinded him for three days. He then sent him out to study, and Jesus personally worked with him for 14 years, spent time with him, 14 years before Paul came back and was ready. Most educated spiritual man, knew all the scriptures. He didn't know Jesus. And Jesus wants to get to know you. In those rough and tough times, maybe Jesus is just trying to get you to be still, and listen, and spend some time with him, and draw near to him, and get to know him. He wants to know you. He wants to share with you who he is. You understand, part of the reason Jesus would have told this man, don't go tell anyone, was Jesus didn't come. You think about, they talk about everything that Jesus did, all the people he healed. Jesus didn't come to earth to heal people. He came to earth to be our Savior and to be known as the Son of God. That's what he was here to be known as, not the great healer. Kind of hard to grasp, hard to understand. But if that's what he came for, he could have stayed forever and just went around the world healing all the problems. That's not what Jesus came for. He came to be known as the Son of God. Verse 45, the last verse, says, but he went out. He's talking about the man that's just been healed, the former leper. He went out, and he began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. If Jesus wanted to be a celebrity, man, he'd hit the jackpot. He finally put out the right video and got all the likes in the world, and everybody knows him. He's a TikTok hero. That was not what Jesus came to do. And that's not what he was about. But there's a reason, and there's some things that go with this. This man couldn't not tell it. But from this point on, the crowds were massive. And I've heard it said over and over again, there's nothing more powerful than your testimony. What God has done in your life, if he has changed your life, there's nothing more powerful than that. It can't be argued with. Oh, we can argue all the finer points of the Bible. We can drag up more doctrinal discussions. We can come up with, we can disagree and argue and fuss ever which way. But when you give your testimony about what God did in your life, there's no arguing that. You lived it. Was somebody going to straighten you out? No, God didn't do that for you. Oh, yes, he did. I know what he did in my life. I know who I used to be, and I ain't that guy no more. And if God has done a work in your life, you're the same. He's done a work in your life and your testimony. And this man began to give his testimony. And people knew, maybe, I don't know, I don't know, maybe this guy had been well-known. And when he suddenly shows up and he's got lily white skin, but I mean, it's smooth as a baby's butt. I mean, it's good to go. He's brand new. And the word begins to spread. He begins to share his testimony God did a work for me, I've been healed. People begin to show up from everywhere. They wanted Jesus to heal them and fix their problems. It's really not what Jesus came to do, but he did it. Why? He had pity on Him. He loved Him. He fed thousands of people all at once miraculously. That's, Jesus didn't come to feed meals. That wasn't what he was here for. He came to share the gospel, to die for us. because He loved us. He did those things out of pity because he loved us. He cared about us. He was a man. Brad, if you would, in the group, come. No one can deny what Jesus has done for you. If you will humble yourself, Jesus wants to do a work in your life. Forgiveness can be freely given, but it has to be asked for. Jesus wants to heal the leper, He wants to heal sin, to take it away, to cleanse it.